Welcome to Missionary Talks, where we talk with missionaries and learn about their lives and work. Today on Missionary Talks, I'm talking with Brother Jim Belisle. He's a missionary or an evangelist uh, working in missions. Brother Jim, tell us a little bit about yourself and what is it that uh, defines your ministry? I call myself a missionary evangelist, and the reason I do that is because I'm not going to a specific field. I go to many fields. As a matter of fact, I have gone to 14 different countries. I've taken uh, 33 different trips during uh, those uh, uh, in those countries, and I've done everything from uh, holding revivals, uh, mission conferences for missionaries and national pastors, to helping establish churches, to having a citywide campaign. So predominantly, I've raised support so that I can be a help to the existing missionaries and to national pastors without them ha- incurring a large uh, cost on their, on their part. I just ask them to uh, feed me, and usually that's not too difficult. How did you get involved in this type of ministry? I was a pastor for 11 years, and I had no uh, intention whatsoever to get into missions, but I had always heard it was a smart thing for a pastor to take a missions trip during sometime during his life. I finally decided to take a mission trip, and when I took that mission trip, I just uh, I felt like I was in a different zone, a different world, and it just seemed like the Lord put something on my heart to try to help these missionaries. It's one thing to criticize missionaries that come off the field, that don't make it through deputation, but what about helping them so that they don't come off the field? What about being an encouragement to them so that they can stay on the field. And I felt like maybe because I had been a pastor for 11 years that I could empathize with them and I could encourage them in the Lord. And so uh, shortly after coming back from that missions trip, I sat down with my wife, we talked about it, and I basically said, why sit we here till we die? We had the American dream, we owned a house, we had a picket fence even, and uh, and I was a pastor. But uh, I just felt like uh, I wanted to help missionaries and national pastors in reaching their parts of the world. Where did you go on that first trip? And if a pastor's looking at going on a missions trip, what would you encourage him to to consider before he actually takes off? Well, of course, uh, usually the cheapest, uh, as far as cost-wise, is probably going to a place like Mexico because it's relatively close. You're not going to incur a lot of travel expenses. And we have a lot of missionaries down there. It's funny because I've never been to Mexico on one of my missions trips. But it is a uh, cheap and uh, relatively easy uh, to get there. If they want to, if money is not the object, and if they wanted to go to a specific place, maybe where it seems like the Holy Spirit's working tremendously, someplace like the Philippines, someplace like uh, one of the nations in Africa, then there's going to be a lot more planning involved. You're going to have to make sure that you're dealing with missionaries that you know, uh, that they can help you go through whether or not you have to get. Uh, uh, shots or visas. Uh, many of your countries nowadays, you don't have to get shots and you don't have to even get visas, but you got to check those things out before you take those kind of trips. Where was your first trip? My first trip to, was in Nigeria. And of course, you have to get both visas and uh, shots, at least that, at that time, in order to go a place like Nigeria. If, uh, if you were to go to uh, your local uh, health department, you would find out that they would have a map, and Nigeria probably has just about every uh, bad disease you could think of. So you really have to uh, make sure you're protected. When you're looking at going on a trip and you're you're trying to coordinate with the missionary, have you found missionaries to be resistant 
to a pastor coming and visiting them, or are they typically very excited about it? Well, the fellows I, I deal with, obviously, um, they, they, you know, they, they would love to. In fact, I get emails even to this day, and it's a general, general type of an email, not specifically for me, but maybe for uh, whoever is on their mailing list saying, man, we'd love to come down. In fact, I just got one recently where they said, hey, the air, airplane tickets are relatively cheap, and he even mentioned the amount. Uh, we'd love to have you come down and visit. Uh, so usually, obviously, if I've been with them, usually – they're more than glad to have somebody come. You'll get some every once in a while that aren't, but most of your missionaries, if you're there to help, if you're not just on a sightseeing tour, then uh, they'll be more than glad to help you. And, and of course, they'll allow for some time for you to relax and maybe look at the sites and stuff like that. But if, if you, especially if you want to do a work, if you're bringing a group of people that you know you're 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 there to help hand out tracts, you're there to do something. I think most missionaries, at least that I've talked to, are more than willing to have somebody come. You're here in Argentina with me now. Uh, what is the purpose of your trip in Argentina, and what do you kind of have planned maybe outside of what you talked to the pastors about that you were going to be with? I uh, came down here. In fact, I've been coming down here now for 10 years. And uh, most of the time when I come down here to Argentina, because I do not speak the language, I'm teaching in uh, the, of course, I'm preaching in the churches, and I'm teaching in their Bible colleges. Uh, some of these fellows, they want practical Bible teaching that maybe uh, a lot of these uh, people in these countries don't get, just the how-to-do type of uh, teaching. And with my background, uh, they, they know that I've had that kind of background, I've, I've, I've lived that way, and so therefore they want that type of thing for their young people. I've also been down here to actually help start a church. We've had evangelistic meetings. We go to a new new area, have evangelistic meetings, and uh, get one of the uh, students that maybe is ready to graduate, bring them down there to help start a church. And on this particular trip, um, I'm going to be uh, preaching in two different Bible colleges and, of course, three different uh, churches. And, of course, uh, I don't have anything outside of that really planned. In all these countries you've been in, has there been a place that that you would say there there desperately needs more more missionaries here? Obviously, the whole world needs missionaries, needs people preaching the gospel. But is there any place that just really sticks out that there's there's a desperate need that people aren't fulfilling that? Well, I guess uh, you know there are some some countries which um, it's obvious that the Holy Spirit is moving. Um, they're 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 wide open for the gospel. And it may not be that there's not that many missionaries there, but in my mindset, I'm thinking strike while the iron's hot. Uh, my, my philosophy would be if there's, a, if there's a place where God is moving, where people are open, my, my philosophy is let's get as many people in there and take advantage of it. So it may not be that there's a great need as far as a dearth of missionaries as much as, in my, my opinion, is, man, if, if God's moving and if people are getting saved and they're open for their – especially – if, if it's maybe a country that was under oppression or if it's a country that uh, maybe was under a religious like Catholicism or something like that for a long time and now all of a sudden they're opening up, my philosophy is go get them. You know? And I would urge people like the Philippines is wide open and uh, God is moving in a great way there. So, man, I'm, I'm excited whenever I hear that the Fil Filipinos are being reached, whether it's by the nationals or whether it's by uh, missionaries. What other country besides the United States, as Americans, we think of us, 
Uh, what other country have you seen that's really sending out missionaries and doing a great job in, in a missions movement? I think the Philippines is going to probably be, and I don't, I'm not a prophet, but it seems to me like the Philippine people uh, under good Bible preaching are going to be the nation that will reach Asia. I really do believe that. Uh, they're, they're willing to live in a very simple fashion. Uh, as far as how much cost it is to get a Filipino to go to another country versus an American, I mean, there's no comparison. And and the the letters that I've read and the missionaries that I've talked to that have sent their people out to other countries, uh, they have nothing but praise for uh, these people. And some of them are getting into areas, of course, that we would never be able to get into, Muslim-controlled areas and uh, facing great persecution themselves. But uh, I really believe that we're going to see the Philippines really be the nation that God uses to uh, reach Asia, as long as they, uh, the churches there stay away from the worldlinism, because they are getting a lot of Western, uh, unfortunately, through the TV, uh, a lot of Western culture. And, and to me, it, it concerns me a little bit. If, they, if they're not careful, they'll be like, just like Americans uh, as far as getting worldly. As far as the Filipinos going to other countries, are they able to really raise their support within their country, or are they getting a lot of help from, from outside the Philippines? There are some that come to America. Um, in my opinion, I think they'd be wiser to try to raise the money from their own people because uh, I believe biblically that uh, God wants us as individual churches to support the people that we send out and I think that it would be wise for the Filipino um, pastors to really invest in missions out of their uh, own pockets. Uh, I think it's, in a way, unproductive for Filipinos to come to America because they have to spend a lot of time and effort. And there's a lot of uh, temptation by coming to America, seeing what we have, and uh, possibly getting the idea that they need not to live on a higher standard uh, if they go to a different country. So I would urge them to uh, get the money within their own churches. Is the money there? Is it available? Well, I think biblically God will supply. I think the same biblical principles that we live on, uh, they can live on. And if and if God said he would provide for us as Americans, uh, I don't think it's a matter of how much economically we have. I think it's got it comes down to do they have the same God as we do? And I believe that God will provide for them just as much as he'd provide for any American. You go to different fields pastors, Bible colleges, different situations every time you go on one of these trips. And so I, I know what you teach changes based on the situation. But in general, what is it you're trying to uh, accomplish? What is it? What's kind of your main message that you're preaching when you're in these churches? Well, obviously, if uh, if the missionary has me come in for evangelistic meetings, you know, obviously it's the gospel. Um, but it does change based upon what the needs of the missionary are. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had the privilege, like I said, of preaching a citywide campaign with Filipino pastors. I've had the privilege of teaching in Bible colleges. I really think that uh, the missionaries that do start Bible colleges, if they know uh, that I've had that um, uh, background where I have been teaching, I think they would use me in that way. And, I, and I'm being used more and more in that area of, uh, of training uh, the leaders of that, because that's our hope. Our hope is training the nationals. That's our hope. Uh, the missionaries are not going to reach a country, but if they can train the nationals, and if the Lord can use me to help train the nationals, then I'm more than willing to do that. 
let's say I'm a missionary, maybe I've been on the field six years. I, I don't see things going the way I want. I'm, I'm getting discouraged that things aren't moving along as quickly as, as I feel like they should. What would, you, what would you say to be an encouragement in that? Obviously, you know, get in the Word, uh, do the things you know you're supposed to be doing, but, but I'm discouraged. I, I need help. Where, where do you send me in the Bible, or what, what is it you're trying to encourage me with? I just got through reading, once again, a synopsis of William Carey's life, and uh, the thing that uh, William Carey said about himself is he said, if you say anything about me, just say that I'm a plotter. And the truth is, William Carey was successful because he was a plotter. He just plowed ahead in spite of the fact that he at times felt like he was an absolute failure. There were times that he hadn't seen anybody get saved for years on end, and he just he just kept going. And I know that that is probably a lot of people don't want to hear that. Uh, they want to hear some, you know, fantastic type of a deal, but uh, – the truth is, sometimes that's what that that's what it takes in the mission in, in in the Christian life. And we, of course, we have biblical example after biblical example of people that were discouraged, whether they were the great ones like Elijah, or, or whether it was uh, uh, you know the Syrophoenician woman that you know here Jesus was even give her any hope, and she just kept saying yes. But Lord, the dogs, you know, you feel feed the crumbs to the dogs. I mean, you just got to be plotter and believe God. God's promises are there for every single individual. and uh, But we can't have the drive-through mentality. We can't think that God's got an answer on our timetable. And I've had to learn that. And, uh, you know, you don't want to hear that. You, you, you know, you're, you're searching for answers. But the truth is, if you know what you've been taught was biblical and you know the principles that you're using is biblical and you know that the methods that you're using are biblical, then you just keep on plodding away in those biblical methods. And, you know, God has to come through kind of going in the same line of thinking there because you've seen a lot of missionaries you've been in a lot of places when you go back home what is it that you could tell somebody back home that they could do for their missionary what is it you hear from missionaries that they wished people back home knew or could do for them well of course all the missionaries they say please please tell them to pray for us because we're in a spiritual battle does prayer matter uh, if you listen to the missionaries, they do. And, of course, I have to say yes in my own situation. I ask for prayer because, uh, you know, I'm traveling, and a lot of things can happen when you're traveling. Uh, next thing uh, that I – though the missionaries don't necessarily say this to me, I watch and I see it, and that is in this day and age with the economy, uh, many of our missionaries are taking a 10 15 20% hit financially just because the dollar is not as powerful as it used to be. And, and I urge people, and I do this whenever I'm preaching in a missions conference especially, I say, folks, you need to pray for your missionaries because how would you like to get a 10%, uh, not raise, but a 10% drop in your wages in a year? And some of them are as high as 25%. And so I really, I really remind people in America that, uh, you know, we all have a tendency to look inward and think, oh, we got it tough. And what I'm trying to get people to realize is, well, you may think you got it tough, and maybe you do. But just, just think, how would you feel if you had a 25% reduction in your wages? And that's exactly what the missionaries are facing, many of them. Do you have a story you'd like to share, maybe something that you enjoy sharing back in churches back home that you'd like to share with us? 
I don't know that every young man, uh, when he's called to preach, uh, has these types of dreams. But I think most of the men that I've met through the years, you get, you know, you're there and you hear preaching and you start dreaming about what the Lord would let you do. And I remember as a young preacher boy, uh, hearing about the great evangelist of old, people like the Billy Sundays and the D.L. Moody's and, and how they had citywide campaigns, the John R. Rice's. And I remember thinking, as a, could I ever be a part of something like that? And, of course, uh, I mean, when I was a pastor, I only pastored in very small communities. And if, even if we had a citywide campaign, I doubt if we could have a 1,000 in some of those communities that I was in. But uh, the Lord opened up the opportunity once I started going to the Philippines that I got a chance to meet some fine Filipino pastors. And uh, to make a long story short, I kind of put a bug in one of the Filipinos' ears and asked him, I said, have you ever thought about I'd like to have a, a citywide campaign? And in 2004, uh, we were able to have about 17 Filipino pastors uh, together. I funded it pretty much, and I preached it, but they did all the work. And we rented out a citywide uh, uh, arena that held about 7,000 people, and we were able to fill that two nights out of the three nights. And then the third night, it was uh, maybe maybe five, five and a, five, 500, 5,500 5, uh, people. So we preached to about 17,000, 18,000 people in a three-night uh, meeting and saw 4,000 people get saved. So uh, it was a dream that came true. And I guess I would just urge any young person to realize that uh, there's nothing wrong with dreaming. There's nothing wrong with thinking. I mean, once again, William Carey, you know, attempt great things for God, believe, you know, expect great things from God. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And if you don't see those things become a reality, you're a better person for believing that God could use you in a great way uh, than going through life and just not believing in the promises of God. Do you have a website where people can get more information about your ministry? I do at this at this time. It's uh, J Belial, M E J. Just just J and then the word Belial M E, and that stands for James Belial Missionary Evangelism dot com. And Belial is B E L I S L E. I will have a link to that in the Missionary Talks dot com show notes so if you can go to missionary talks and you can get a link right to uh, brother jim's website well brother jim i appreciate your time as we close is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners sometimes we have a tendency of thinking uh, and sometimes we talk this way we say it's so hard to serve the lord well i just like to remind uh, uh, any young person whether you're thinking about missions or anything as far as serving the lord whether it's as a layman or missionary or whatever Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. And uh, I had a hard life my first 20 years because I wasn't saved. And I was in the bondage of sin, and I was uh, tempted by the things of the world. I'm not going to all the different things. But once I got saved, I was released from the bondage of sin, and uh, I haven't had a hard life. I'm not saying that I hadn't had some difficult decisions to make. But at the same time, when I made the right decisions, my life has been, it's wonderful to serve the Lord. Uh, let's face it, in this world, you're going to go through difficult times, whether you're serving the Lord or not serving the Lord. But don't listen to people that say that, oh, it's so hard to serve the Lord. No, young people, it's not hard to serve the Lord. It's great to serve the Lord. The way of the transgressor is hard. You've been listening to Missionary Talks with David Peach. Please visit us at missionarytalks.com.